Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Welcome back to the podcast, episode six. I'm Brian. I'm Scott. I'm Scott also. <laughs> we got our guest of the day in studio with us, Mr. Scott Purs, walleye extraordinaire. Um, we're going to talk to him a little bit about tournament fishing and depth finders and walleye fishing. But first... Uh, we want to just touch base. We got some uh, feedback from a listener. Um, Mr. Jacob Ruff out of Waukesha, Wisconsin. Shout out to Jacob. He's a shop teacher up there. And uh, he had a question which uh, or a topic that he'd like to hear us talk about, which is depth finders. So we'll get into that a little bit later. But we just wanted to give a shout out to Jacob, and uh, thanks for the kind words. And I don't know, maybe we'll do a whole. Uh, we might even do a whole. A whole another episode. episode but I, I figured, you know, Scott's here. He utilizes yeah. his depth finder quite a bit. Um, I got my points of views on uh, depth finders and whatnot, so we can kind of skim over it today. But I think, yeah, we'll we'll definitely get into a more detailed episode later on down the road. So. Um, Without further ado, we got Mr. Scott Purs in the studio, a good friend of mine, actually was the best man at my wedding, known him a long time, he's been a a long time fisherman, Uh, used to be a charter captain on Lake Michigan for salmon and trout, got out of the big boats and went into a little bit smaller of a boat, now he's a a walleye fisherman, and uh, he's he's from northern Illinois, but uh, he gets around quite a bit. So, Scott, welcome, and uh, why don't we start with uh, how you got into fishing, and, you know? Yeah, it's a long kind of story, but we'll make it as short as we can. Uh, Got into salmon fishing years and years ago, probably like when I was 40, so that's like 25 years ago. Oh, you're such a young guy. (laughs) And uh, this friend of mine got me into it. He had a boat, and then... We'd start going out, and I really was kind of sneaking out, you know. Sure. And then uh, my wife uh, got breast cancer. Yep. And uh, the oncologist told her, you know, stop buying all the beef in the store and your fish from the store. He says, go out and get it yourself. He says, that's the best thing in the world. So I went out and bought a salmon boat. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I I had I had briefly mentioned that in the last episode after fishing with you, but I figured that'd be something that uh, you know I'd leave for you to share. Um, you know, when you had when we had initially met and we started fishing together, you had told me the whole story behind that, and I thought that was that was a pretty powerful thing. And it's pretty cool when your wife says, 
go catch me some fish or go shoot me some yeah, deer. Yeah, go you shoot know? me some deer. <laughs> go get me a boat. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Instead of, no, you're not going hunting this weekend or, you're no, you're not going fishing. So, but... Uh, yeah, there and, was, there's a little story behind the way that I got the boat also because yeah. uh, I was actually, you know, I was a, had my own construction company building a house for my cousin and uh, we only had outside work and uh, every day it seemed to rain at like noon time, you know. So off we went to the casino <laughs> and uh, won enough money to buy a salmon boat. <laughs> yeah, that's the way to do it. Cheapest way, I guess. Yeah. Or it could be the most expensive way, you never know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so you got out of the salmon fishing gig. I know, uh, you know, eventually you had some issues with your boat. You got rid of it. And then uh, what kind of led you into the walleye tournament? Well, it was, the, it was the same guy that got me into salmon fishing, got me into walleye fishing. He, they were short of co-anglers uh, for this Lake Erie tournament. They had more professionals than co-anglers, which assist the pro during the, the, these tournaments. And so he calls me up and asks me if I'd like to go. And I said, he says, yeah, it's really nice. You get three days of fishing for $350 was our entry fee. Plus we had an option to, I mean, an opportunity to win like six thousand dollars and so i said i'm in you know yeah, sure so we get to the tournaments and i mean you know there's all these big shots with all these you know big rangers nitros you know whatever and man it was awesome it, it hooked me right there i'm saying this is what i want to do i want to be able to go to all these different lakes you know you're not just strapped to one lake where yeah. with, with my salmon boat it was lake michigan you know that was the only boat that i could the only lake that I could fish. There's no trailer for it. It's too big to trailer, so that's what got me going. Sweet, sweet. These go-fast boats. Yeah, go-fast. <laughs> yeah, they go a lot faster than those Lake Michigan boats, that's for sure. So your first year, you actually did exceptionally well, and that was when you were fishing. Uh, it was the FLW series, right? Correct, correct. And now it's MWC, right? Well, there's two divisions that I fish in. The MWC is the cheaper one cheaper entry fee where you have a partner okay uh, and the ntc that's where you have co-anglers your partner is a co-angler you get a different partner each day of the tournament and these are the tournaments that are like 1650 dollars to enter and basically they're there to keep us honest I mean, sure because sure, when you're sure. fishing for that amount you're you know the first prize is like sixty thousand dollars new boat you know so there's people out there that aren't the most honest, you know. <laughs> sure. So sure. basically that's what they're there for. Cool. Yeah, so, um, you know, mainly you're targeting walleyes. Um, what's, your, what's your favorite spot to fish? Well, I, I've got a, every lake. Is the, whatever lake I'm on at the time is my <laughs> favorite lake. Um, for big fish, it would have to be Lake Erie, yeah. Because um, usually there, you know, if you start at seven o'clock in the morning, by nine o'clock in the morning, you're throwing twenty-eight inch fish over the rail because they're not big enough anymore. I mean, you, you don't understand, Scott. Brian's asking you specifically for the GPS coordinates. Um, north. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I could I could easily attain, obtain them if I needed to. No, I actually fished out there with you one time yep, for yep. a tournament, and it was in October, right? Is when that was? Because they're not running that. That was our, we, the team that I was hooked up with, there's a, like, we have six guys that we fish together and stuff, and we have our own little tournament in October. Yeah, it's right. It's just us six guys. and. But before that, it was actually something that was locally run. Oh, yeah. And, oh, and what was, town was that? Uh, out of Huron. Okay. Out of Huron, and it was called um, the hog fest all i remember is pre-fishing it was like probably one of the only times i got seasick there was like three to four foot rollers and i ate breakfast <laughs> and i was just like this is miserable it's cold it's windy <laughs> wavy and i remember we fished most of the day and i think we got skunked that day but the day of, we found some fish later in the week and then the the morning of the tournament it was snowing you ever fished a tournament in snow? No. Yeah. Well, it's really fun driving your Ranger like yeah. 55 miles an hour in snow. snow. Yeah. I wish I had a motorcycle helmet that yeah. day. <laughs> right, right, right. Face mask or something. But, uh, yeah, there is some huge, huge fish. I know 
I personally haven't caught any huge ones out there, but, you know, I've seen pictures that you've sent me, you know, over the years, you know, 28, 29, 30-inch fish that are just absolutely ridiculous. But, uh, you know, last week, uh, was it last week or the week before I went up to uh, Green Bay with you to help you pre-fish a little bit, um, and that was for an MWC tournament, MWC correct? Out of uh, Oconto, uh, which is on the... I always call it the North Shore, but it's, it's West actually Shore. West Shore. Mid Lake. Yeah, Mid Lake, West Shore. Um, pretty much right there by the state line of Michigan and Wisconsin. So um, I know we got into some fish. Um, why don't you talk to us about kind of what your strategy is for pre-fishing. And, uh, you know, I had briefly mentioned last episode we call it eliminating water you know, when we're pre-fishing and uh, maybe your different strategies, baits and stuff that you use. I know uh, I had mentioned we were pulling meat, but there's also other strategies that I know you use up there. So maybe you can kind of touch base on those. Yeah. Um, at Green Bay this year, it's uh, everybody was pulling meat pre-fishing. It was, um, and it's such a slow presentation. I, I like to be a little more aggressive and uh, go with the cranks because you're covering twice as much water. We were pulling cranks at 2.1 2.2 miles an hour whereas with the meat you're pulling at one mile an hour one 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 two very slow presentation um, and you cover half as much water and when you're pre-fishing you want to cover as much water as you can you know to eliminate water yeah, sure. I mean it's just like that and the crank bite wasn't quite as good as the meat bite but it seemed like we caught bigger fish with the cranks. With the cranks, which is and they they were just smashing the cranks. Sure, I mean that's I mean out of the all the times that I've fished up there with you, that that always seems to be the case. You know whether we're pulling meat or cranks, it seems like those cranks that bigger uh, bait presentation uh, usually attracts a bigger fish. Obviously, right? The bigger the bait, the bigger the fish is usually you know how it goes. But um, that's the case most. I mean. But the, some of those walleyes, um, you know, an 18-inch walleye attacks a 6-inch bait. I mean, here's a bait that's, you know, a third the size right. of their body, and they're attacking it, you know. But it eliminates 90% of those fish from biting because you don't even want to, because that's a waste of time to catch an 18-inch fish, you know, like during the tournament, because now you've got one less rod in the water, yep. one less bait, and you're wasting time on a, a little fish and well i remember when we were pre-fishing we got into a slew of fish where rods were just going off and you're like it's time to get out of here and i'm like what are you talking about we're catching fish and he's like yeah they're all eaters there's no big ones in here it's time to go reel them up let's go and i'm like man we just got into fish because we had like a good like hour or two of like sure, nothing, nothing you know nothing. because we started i think we started way down south and then yep. we trolled north yep. and uh it's like all of a sudden we're into these fish, and Scott's like, all right, time to go. I'm like, what are you talking about? We're catching fish. He's like, yeah, it's not the ones we're looking for. Time to go to another spot, which, you know, obviously I understand that, and that makes sense to me just because all the years I've fished with you. But, you know, tournament fishing, that's what you're doing, and that's why you're there so early is so you can eliminate that water. You know where certain areas are holding what size fish. I mean, walleyes are pretty much a, a pack fish they travel in schools right correct and also with the walleyes what they do is um they're an age class fish if you start catching 18 19 20 inches that's pretty much all you're going to catch they like to hang around with the same kids their age you know they don't like they're not like you you know yeah. they don't like to hang around with an old man 65 hey, man. years old you know they <laughs> the big guys hang around with the big, big guys, guys. Sure. and partially is because they're a predatory fish though you know there's no doubt that a 28 or 30 inch walleye will attack a, a, a 12 inch walleye 12 inch walleye you know so sure. they don't want to hang around with those guys sure 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 sure. and when we were in the and you know when you were out you know i mean we had every rod out of the boat and i said well this is a good time to yeah leave. Pack you know, up a good and time go. to leave because you had 20 walleyes yeah yeah yeah. Already, so. yeah yeah i think yeah we had our limit of 10 already so it was right. like you know we're not catching eaters anymore but the funny thing about that spot was um i went back there several times during the week after you had left and where we ran into those 
twenty nice eater fish. Sure. That was on the south end of this, um, of the run. It was a break line that I was running that dropped from twenty four was the very top of the break down to thirty two and then it gradually went out to forty feet. The small eaters were at the south end, and then if we would have gotten up to the north end of that thing, I started catching all 25s, 27-inch fish. And it was funny. And from day to day, those fish would switch ends. Really? Yeah. During the tournament, <laughs> the day before the tournament, you do like a little milk run. Sure, sure, you sure. You know, sure. you hit your spots where you... Mm-hmm. So I went down south with my partner, and we're into some bigger fish but not very many bites you know there were 25 to 30 inch fish but if you got five bites in a day that's it you're doing good yeah and at the spot that where you and i fished where we caught all the eaters i mean we were catching you know 25 inches near the turn of day before the tournament i was catching 25 inches like we were catching yeah, yeah. the little guys i'm going oh, this is the spot mm-hmm. i want to be because you know in the with the 25s are going to be you know some 28s sure and so it each spot changes from day to day, and it's hard to really get a grasp on that. You know, that's the sure. hardest thing to do. So, Scott, when <clears throat> when you're talking about pulling meat, these are harnesses, and you're trolling, right? Correct. So, would it be as effective, or have you tried trolling with plastics? Uh, yeah, is, we, is we, there a difference? We we have. We, I'm uh, assuming there is, but <laughs> the partner that I have, Brian Dombowski, he lives up in Minnesota. He's a different guy. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> He uh, is he's great to have as a partner because he's constantly experimenting. Okay. He um, up in Minnesota they're only allowed to one run, run one rod. Where here in Wisconsin you can run three rods. Okay. Per guy. Per, per man. guy. Got yeah. <clears throat> and uh, he has a hard time running three boards. He will not run three yellow birds. Come you know, on. He, yeah. He has a hard time with that. So he's always running at what I call a down rod, a rod straight down from the boat. You know, either with a heavy like a three ounce snap weight on it or whatever you know and he was experimenting with plastics plastic worms artificial worms and they do work but not as effective but not as effective and then he was also running which works i'm a big believer in it now is putting um scent on the lure he had procure is what it's called and he probably had two to one to my bites, two bites on his side versus, and we ha- had identical lures out. Really? Yeah, two to one. I mean, it. What is the scent? Just curious. Is it more of a garlic? Or? Garlic scent. It was That's a garlic, and they they make all sorts of different sure. brands, you sure, know. Sure, sure, sure. But uh, the garlic is what he had, and I'll tell you what, it it was working. It worked really well. So when you were using that scent, were you pulling meat or cranks? Both. So where were you putting the scent on the blades? Yep. Put really? it right on the blade or the head of the nightcrawler, and I'm, I'm I thought the EPA was going to pull us over because when you set that harness or crankbait in the water, all you saw was a big oil slick. Big yeah, oil yeah. slick. Yeah, 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 sure, sure. <laughs> and and you know it makes sense because the fish smell and you know feel the vibration, but they smell sure also. Yeah. And so we started using it all through during the tournament. You know, I said I'm not going. <laughs> Well, I mean, I think the more att- ways you can attract a fish, uh, smell, sight, vibration, things like that, obviously it's a win-win situation all around. I mean, I think I touched on this in one episode where I used to pre-fish uh, with my dad when he was fishing the bass tournaments up on the Chain of Lakes in uh, northern Illinois. And uh, he would spray his stuff down. It was either garlic or crayfish scent. And I'd be like, the old man doesn't know what he's doing. I was just a young, dumb teenager, you know? But he's smashing fish. Meanwhile, I'm twiddling my thumbs in the back of the boat, not catching a thing. But, I mean, that can make all the difference in the world, especially when you got a slow bite day, you yep. know? You know, something like that could definitely change your, your whole outcome of the day, for sure. What they used to use in the olden days, before all these scents came out, was WD-40. You'd really? Sp- you'd spray your lures with WD-40, and basically what that did was cover up any human scent or foreign scent that the fish, you know, like if you're, um, a lot of people, uh, 
you know, they'll get scent on their hands just from doing, you know, a mechanical thing on the boat sure. or something, you know. Sure. Well, and then they wash their hands with soap and they feel, oh, yeah, that got that off. Well, now you've got that soap scent on right, your hands, right, you know. Right, right, right. So what we used to do is spray our lures down with WD-40. And, it, I mean, it, it seemed to work. It seemed to work. <laughs> huh. That's crazy. I've never heard that. Well, it's funny, we, on the last episode, we were talking about our little fish outings. He was talking about yours, and I went on Delavan with a guide, and um, he had these bomber worms. I don't know if you heard me talk about them, but yep. they had a garlic yep. scent on them. And the guide was confident. He's like, I don't know if they work. He's like, but uh, I'm not going to switch because they're working. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, we did get a few bites on the uh, artificials, but the real thing worked best. Right. And it worked best with the scent, right? The, ex- the added scent. We worked on it, but hmm. so and then you know the pre-fish like in tournaments in general, you know the pre-fishing is really the fun part of the tournament. Sure, I mean sure. I love finding the fish and figuring the fish out as to what they're going to bite on colors. You know the I think the color thing there is something to the color, but your biggest thing in tournament fishing is speed. Sure, sure. Fish are triggered number one by speed Mm -hmm. you know if they see like when we were pulling cranks we had a uh, crankbait that's a um, um, a darter it would dart from side to side it was called a scatter wrap okay yeah yeah, yeah. you've heard of scatter wraps yep and I'll tell you what that thing when we we put it on a three ounce snap weight you know let it down 32 feet and that was right in the kill zone sure and that thing's going from side to side it produced so many bites it was un- unbelievable oh i'm sure i mean it's replicating a fish that's you know getting chased or injured right. and right. you know that's exactly. that's bait you know um no i couldn't agree more because I've, I've fished a couple tournaments with you and you know tournament day is always stressful <laughs> you know you figure everything out during the week and you got this game plan together and then like Like the one time we fished that tournament in Green Bay out of the south end there, launched by the Fox River, you know, we were nailing good fish all pre-fishing. And then the day of the tournament, the wind kicked up, three-foot waves, windy, cold, rained on and off, Yeah, you know, shuts fishing down. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know we came in with some fish. I think we ended up like... Middle, middle upper, pack, yeah, upper, middle upper pack. We pack, had three nice you know. fish. We yeah, caught yeah. one fish actually on a circle that we did. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, you know, it could be stressful for sure. And uh, I mean, yeah, the biggest stress factor in a tournament is which fish to keep, and that's kind of I kind of pulled a boner. This tournament, I got greedy because at the end of the um, <clears throat> pre-fishing, I found the bigger fish on that break, the same sure. break that we fished, and so. Our first five fish were like 23, 24 inches, and I threw them. Away. I I just let them go, you know. And it's a no call tournament. No call. You you um, catch six fish. You can have six fish in your live well and weigh your best five. Once a fish goes in the live well, it does not come out. Ah, that's the, okay. So I that you can swap them. And, nah, okay. some tournament like at Erie, you can yeah. do that. Okay. Erie is just go out there, go fishing, catch what you can catch. Bring just, back six fish, and it is what it is. Right, yeah. it is uh, what it is. Well, here on Green Bay, and it's the DNR that does that, you know, because they don't want you killing fish and. Sure. So well, it gets stressful for those fish being in a live well, especially in choppy well, weather. Sure. You know, right? These guys in these Ranger boats ripping around at forty miles an hour in three foot waves. You know, and you're a fish in a live well, you get a little shaken up. <laughs> it's even worse if you're in a nitro. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Night, we're, we're definitely worse in a nitro. Inside joke, sorry. So I uh, let my first five fish go. Then the next two fish was a 25 and a half and another 24, so I kept those. So we decided, up. Oh, let's go down to the big fish spot. Sure. Which was in the south end where we right, right. went first and caught some nice fish down yep. there. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, I think we caught a 26 out of yeah, there. That yeah. was the biggest fish that I reeled in. Right. I usually reel in the most. He fish. reels in, yeah, because I give him all my rods. You yeah. know, I let him reel. It's like taking a kid fishing. Yeah, right. You know, here, hey. here, reel this hey. in. You know, I'm the kid in the boat when you're when you're looking at the two of us. Dad, can I reel it in? Yeah. So, so we fished down there. I, we probably went down there at ten o'clock in the morning. After launching at seven, I started at probably seven thirty. By the time I got to my spot, and so we had two fish in the box, 
and we had to be in at 3.30. Well, it got to be 2.30, and we still had only two fish in the box. So then we decided, up, oh, let's go back to our number one spot, our first spot, and just fill up, you know, get our five fish, and so we're not out of the tournament. Right, sure, you know? right, sure. So I go back down there, and they're still biting like crazy, but it was the 19- and 20-inch fish that were biting oh. instead of the 23s and 24s. So I probably threw five to eight pounds away. You know? I never knew that though that they're age specific. Oh wise. yeah, they're, they're yeah. If you catch one twenty six inch fish, stay there. Stay there. Got yeah. It. Well, that's like a friend of yours was up when we were up pre fishing, you know, and he uh, he went over a spot they caught like a twenty eight or something. They circled around right over the same exact which depth finders. Some of them you can mark on your GPS right. section of it. He went right over his mark, he said, caught another 28 or 29 inch. Yep, yep. They spun around and caught another giant. Yeah, Three caught- giants all in the same GPS that mark. Totally is it. You know, yeah. which. Spot on a spot. I'm yeah. sure those bigger fish, there was some kind of structure there that they were hunkered to. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't have to be much with walleye. People think. Um, you know, it has to be a big break or whatever, but sometimes it's only a foot or two. I mean, just a little little belly in the bottom, you know, will hold fish, yeah. you know. See, and I, you know, when I first started walleye fishing with you, I think the only time I had walleye fished was up in Canada when I was 19. And I remember we were fishing these steep ledges, dropping, I think it was crawler harnesses with a... a a uh, a weight in front of it, just oh, dropping it down Lindy the edge. Yeah, a Lindy, Lindy rig, rig. Right. dropping it right down the edge of that ledge, and then you'd pull up, and they were there. You know, so you know that was always my thing. It, whereas, you know, I think the first time I went out walleye fishing with you was probably on Green Bay. Well, I take that back. It was Lake Geneva, <laughs> but really walleye fishing um, after you got your Ranger and everything uh, was probably Green Bay, and we were like. I remember looking at the depth finder, and it was like a flat we were fishing on. I'm like, there's going to be fish around here? Yeah, in the Next mud, thing you know, in the mud. Yeah, running around the back of the boat, reeling in rods, <laughs> resetting rods, and stuff like that. So it's it's kind of crazy, you know, whereas, you know, we talk a lot about bass fishing, you know. You're always looking for, you know, docks and weeds Weed and, and rocks yeah. and yep. things like that, whereas walleyes are kind of a different beast, sure. you know. So. Yeah, the- Speaking- Speaking of Geneva, really quick, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Um, have you done Delavan for walleye at all? No. Ever? No. No? no. Is it not known, not good for Well, walleye? there's, there's walleye, walleye in there, there but, but it's not the place to be. Yeah, I'm not into deep the enough, bigger water. Got I'm it. into the bigger water, bigger fish. Okay. Interesting. Good to know. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, 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 you're good. Um, yeah, well, we actually started fishing together on Lake Geneva. Right. He... Uh, Scott was a contractor, and he was coming into my work, and he had a boat on the back of his truck the one yeah. day, and I'm like, where are you going fishing? <laughs> where are you Lake, taking me fishing? Lake Geneva. You want to go? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'll go. And that was the start of our friendship, right. really. Right. Wow. Yeah. And uh, we used to go to Lake Geneva night trolling. Mm-hmm. That's how I got into right. the whole night trolling thing up there. And that was probably one of the biggest walleyes I've ever caught with you was that one night we were trolling cranks. And uh, I got pictures of it, man. I got, like, long hair down to my shoulders. Looked like a big hippie. And uh, it was a 27 and a quarter, I think. Yeah, it, it, like, was, it was like a big one. seven pounds, a, a 14 ounces or something like that. So lo- along that same line, then, what do you look for? Like, like on Geneva, taking Brian and stuff, like, when you get on a new body of water, do you look for a certain depth? Do you, If you um, don't know the body, what do you look for? Uh, transition areas. Okay. You, you read your depth humps. binder. Humps. Gravel to mud. Walleyes like to hang around weed lines. Yeah. Okay. If there's a weed line, you want to be just outside the weeds. They're gonna be in the weeds, but it, they'll come out. Yeah, they'll come out and yeah. grab it. Um, this one time on um, Green Bay, um, it was later in the year. The weeds were up about six, eight feet in this water that was only like 15 feet deep, and we were trolling uh, spinners, mm-hmm. but no weight in front of them. Just one little split shot. Really? And that was enough to get it down, just ticking the weeds. Okay. With 30 feet of line out. It's all mathematical stuff. I mean, 
for you know how deep the lure goes. Well, Brian was telling me, and you might have mentioned it in the last podcast. Yeah, so I I did mention some. So one ounce in line, it's what the amount of line you let out. Half of that is the depth, right? Half of that so is that's fifteen feet then yeah. for that spinner. Well, no, because he was using a split shot. I was using a split oh. shot, so it's totally different. Yeah, I mean, usually they don't running. have any. I need books. my abacus. Right? Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, and I'll tell you what. For I mean, when you're trolling with weighted line, with you know inline spinners or lead core line, um, it is so speed dependent. Right. I mean, I you've got to make sure, like. When we're trolling spinners, if I'm going one mile an hour and I've got a one ounce in line on, I, and I've got 30 feet of line out, yeah. I know that's at 15 feet. Got it. Okay? If I go to 1.1... It's bringing it up in the water. Right. Down. That's bring it, that'll bring it up a foot. Right, right, for right. Almost for every tenth of a mile an hour you go faster, that lure is going to rise up a foot. So do you always start with the same weight... Same sort of lure, and um, then you kind of just vary the speed? Is that kind of the thought? Yeah, until you go to Lake Erie. Okay. Lake Erie, they like to troll with two ounce inlines. Really? Just get some down deeper. Okay. You know, and then you don't have as much line out. Got it. You know, because that's the, you know, it's a critical period of time after you hook the fish is getting that fish to the boat. If you've got, you know, 150 feet of line out, you have more chance to lose a fish. And that's another reason why I changed this tournament from cranks to crawlers is because when I was trolling my cranks on a normal line I had 130 feet of line out to 150 feet of line out you know versus 40 feet of line out with a pulling meat you know so and then I was using one lead core rod where I'd only have well I had 150 feet of line out still but it was down at the bottom you know like a husky jerk you put it out 130 feet, it's down like 18 to 20 feet. Is that right? You yeah. get them down that deep? Yeah, that's their max. That's where the Husky Jerk uh, 12s, I think, Deep okay. Diver Husky okay. Jerk 12, is down 18 to 20 feet at 130 feet back. But now, once you get the fish on there, yeah, <laughs> you've got 150 feet mean, Well, we had that, you know, I talked about it, I think, where, you know, talking about experimenting and trying different things and you know you had a treble hook running on the back of those inline spinners and we ended up changing out every rod in the boat because we were losing fish on those treble hook lines because it was such a soft bite you know with a circle hook it was getting in their mouth and they were getting hooked that treble hook it was i think it was just too, too bulky, bulky because well, they were just nipping at the back of that crawler i think they it was turning in their mouth they would bite and they'd go flat on top and or it would something. Yeah, yeah, turn yeah. the treble or something. And they were small trebles. They were a number eight treble I was using. I mean, that's a small treble. Yeah. Whereas if you had a single hook like you're talking about, yeah. Yeah. they grab it, they grab it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then we had a feed fish. I mean, the bite was light to the point where, you know, you'd see your flag just tick, go down a little bit, or your board all of a sudden starts running a little slower than the rest of the board. It wouldn't release, right? Yeah, and you're just sitting there and... So then you have to take your rod out of the rod holder, not jerk it, and then basically what you do is tip the rod tip towards the fish, and then you see your board go back further, and all of a sudden you'd see the back of your board just sink. Yeah. Oh, and then yeah. you... What a light bite, huh? Tough to see, I bet. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, especially really in a little bit of a chop. If you have a little bit of a sure. chop, it's you got to be sitting there and just staring at right. your boards because, you know, well, a lot of times we look up and all of a sudden, you, you know, the, the flag's all the way down on the board, and you know, you know the fish is on. Right, but right, right, right. I don't know. I don't know if you were in the boat or if it was with Brian, but I was watching my outside board, and it was just lagging a little bit. Yeah. And then all of yeah. a sudden, the board tilted down. I'm looking at it. I'm going, boy, that board is running. Yep. Funny. Right. The back end of yeah, it yeah. was a lot deeper sure. than the other. And so I feed it, set the hook. Sure enough, mm-hmm. 18-inch catfish. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. You guys had some nice catfish. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, he, oh, said he, oh. he said he caught a bigger one than when I was up there. Really? Yeah, Sly Dog over here has to make me another rod because... He broke a rod that I broke I a rod during the tournament on a catfish. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's got a lifetime warranty on his rod. Yeah, lifetime. Yeah, that's yeah. what it says right <laughs> on my rod. Actually, MHX Blanks has a lifetime <laughs> warranty on the rods, so I'll be contacting them here shortly. But... Uh, so uh, tournament day, well, it was two day tournament. Yes. So yes. how how did we do? 
first day I threw too many fish away, came in with like 16 pounds, terrible. Um, and then the next day I said, okay, we're going to go back there and anything, you know, 23 and up, we're Keep keeping. Mm-hmm. And I ended up with uh, like 22 pounds or something like that. And uh, I actually checked in early, two hours early. I says, let's go, we're out of here. I mean, my buddy wanted to take, he lives up in Minnesota, and so he had, was having car problems or something. So we went in early and finished mid-pack, but it was sure. a good tournament. I mean, I'm not out there for the money. I mean, winning the money is fine, but it's the camaraderie between all the sure. fishermen and, you know, just... I just love the fish. So yeah. are, the, are the spots that you guys pre-fish, is that what you used? Oh, yeah. Is that what oh, yeah. Off? Yeah, exactly where Brian <clears throat> and I went on the first weekend that I was we out there, there is where I fished. And uh, Except on the second day, I just grounded out on our first, that sure. the second spot where we went to yeah, the yeah. break, the, yep. when we were fishing that break. Yep. I grounded out there from 7 o'clock in the morning to 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And ended up with a 25 and a half, 26, 24, and then two 23 and a halves. Okay. For twenty-two point some pounds. Gotcha. I mean, so, those are those are some quality walleyes yeah. there. I mean, what do you think a Green Bay walleye twenty-six inch weighs roughly? Um, five this, six pounds. This time of year, the twenty-sixes were weighing a little a hair over six pounds. Over six. Yeah, yeah. That's usually a thing that we use. Uh, a reference is you know every fish like twenty-six is six pounds, twenty-seven is seven pounds, twenty-eight is oh, okay. eight pounds. It's a good. Rule of thumb. Step, rule yeah. of thumb, right. Whereas in Green Bay, what do you think a 26-inch walleye weighs? In Green Bay, 26 yeah. Or, inch I'm sorry, Lake Erie. Lake, Lake Erie, Erie, they're a little bit heavier. Yeah. They, really? Oh, yeah. yeah. They they got bellies on them <laughs> they, like bass. Really? Oh, yeah. It, it It's unreal, the, man, the, the fish The biggest fish of my life I caught in my very first tournament um, that I ran as a professional it, at Lake Erie, it was 32 and a half inches and was 14 and a half pounds. Wow. The thing didn't even look like... I had my hand under its, its it belly. It was like rolling around It you. was rolling over yeah. my hand. Yeah, I wow. mean, it was huge. It's crazy. Tank. Yeah. Tank. Yeah. So, for Jacob's, um, I guess, benefit here, talk about, like... How do you, a little bit about your duck yeah, finder, right? Yeah, how do you utilize the duck finder? <laughs> I mean, I know, and... What are the things to look for? Like earlier, you were talking about transitions between like mud and gravel and rock and things like that, and uh, you know, just kind of uh, a general rule of thumb. I'll let you go first, and then I'll kind of kind of give my two cents on how I utilize my depth finder, and then maybe you yep. know, Scotty can go. Well, first off, you got Lawrence. Depth finders, right? right? My, he's got the big fancy ones. I'm jealous. <laughs> he's yeah. all about the fancy. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. you got you know you got to keep up with your <laughs> the Joneses. Yeah, the Joneses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, I'm really my depth finders are a little bit behind. I mean, because I haven't bought a depth finder in four years. Sure. I mean, every year they're coming out with new right, right, new right. depth finders, and um, I'll tell you, um, <coughs> getting your depth finder adjusted properly is probably one of the biggest things that you can do to find the differences in your mud you know your sensitivity is crucial you know if you have it cranked up all the way you'll never know if you're at a mud bottom or gravel bottom you know you'll never know because the bottom will look the same all the time and also um water temp is real important on uh your depth finders. I can't understand how our dads used to catch fish, you know, when they didn't have these depth finders, you right, know, when they right. used to line up the house and the tree yeah, yeah. over oh, there. Yeah. You know, right, you know right. how, how, it could be so far off. You know, now we just push a button. And like on mine, I push a little flag that makes a mark, and then it gives you an option to save it or cancel it. And when you get the fish in, oh, it's a walleye. Okay, well, I'll save it. Well, that ah, mark is gotcha. now... 50 yards behind your boat That's it actually right. marks the identical spot where you caught them oh, where you got where the you got bite hookah. yeah where oh, you actually had the yeah. bite um electronics nowadays is probably the biggest factor in catching fish is that I mean, right? and getting them adjusted right reading your depth finders and with you know because now we have down scan i mean we side can see, side side scan, scan. Yeah. um we can see fish swimming now right next to the boat or right. whatever right i mean and your down scan, um, I like to use that when I'm out west. 
um, when we're fishing over sunken trees, when there are these big cottonwood trees that are in 100 feet of water, you're fishing 100 feet of water, the trees come up 50 feet, yeah, yeah. and you're fishing the tops of these trees. I mean, it'll actually show the tree. I mean, you just don't see like a stick coming up like no, on no, some right. depth finders, you know. You <clears throat> see the branches. The outline of, the, of it and everything, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the whole branches of the trees, and it's so important, you know, to have... Yeah good electronics yeah and yeah. i'm into lorance i had um hummingbird in my first boat and i just like the way the lorance <coughs> runs but they're all they're all real similar they're I all think. real similar and uh they just cost a lot of money yeah uh, yeah <laughs> I, mean, I mean and it's the thing where you know if it costs a thousand dollars and there's a two thousand dollar one out there well the two thousand dollar one is probably the one that you want to get is that right <laughs> yeah. okay you yeah. get what you pay for it. yeah you yeah. get what you pay for it. see i mean you know in a kayak i think it's a little different oh um, it's a lot you different. know scotty's covering a lot of ground um i mean for me uh depth finder i i have a smaller ranch chirp four i believe is the model it's a couple of years old i used to have it on my uh little fishing boat but uh you know, I use mine generally for like what Scott was talking about, finding gravel bottom. Where's my weeds? Where's my weed line? Um, things like that. Yeah, you're going to see fish marks, but I mean, I've had times where, you know, I'm fishing with Scott. You have no marks on that depth finder, and you're, and you're banging them. fish. Right. You know, so they could be from, you know, a little outside of that range. I mean, you know, I'll be honest, I haven't messed with, like, my sensitivity and stuff mm-hmm. like that as much as I'm sure Scott has, yeah. which now, after hearing him say that, because that's never been a conversation we've had, I'll probably toy with that a little bit, because it always seems like my bottom looks the same. <laughs> so I'm sure when I got that depth finder, I, I tuned it way high up on sensitivity, sure, so funny. now it looks the same. You know, whereas I think that's crucial, and I think it's one of those things from manufacturer to manufacturer, you know, what number, Jacob, you should have your sensitivity on. Right. It's going to, it's it's all going to vary. Yeah. It's all going to vary. All, it, the from, biggest thing is depth. Yeah. <clears throat> depth. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know. a, that's a big thing. I mean, you know, like this time of year, uh, you're either going to find bass super deep or up real shallow, right? Um, so... You know, once you catch a fish in a certain depth range, usually they're hanging. They're all hanging at that same depth range, right. and that's usually right. how it is oh, with yeah. the walleyes. You know, um, so that's a, a a key way to utilize it. Do you need to go out and spend two grand on a depth finder for a kayak? Probably no. not. Um, if you're fishing a fifteen hundred dollar walleye tournament, yeah, probably should have right. a higher tech thing. You know, that's the thing, but. I think the way I utilize depth finders, at least, is uh, figuring out depths, um, what kind of bottom I'm in, and if there's weeds or not. Yeah. I mean, how about yourself? You just got that Ray Marine. I do. I got the Dragonfly, Dragonfly 5 Pro. Yeah. It's got the GPS, it's got the sonar, and it's got the, the standard you know, uh, imaging, etc. But it's funny what you guys are talking about. And like I use my brother-in-law as an example, and, and, and other folks. Anytime we see someone using a depth finder, even this guide we went with, it's all about structure. Sure. You yep. know, I've never seen someone's, or, or you're looking for bait balls or sure. yep. whatever. Yep. <clears throat> but it's all about the structure so much as I would, you know, me being a novice, I would have always thought that you call it a fish finder because you're looking for fish, but you're actually not. Yeah. No, you're looking you're for looking structure. Structure. structure right. So like you're looking for what kind of bottom, right? Is it grass? Yeah, is it right, mud? Right. Is it is it is it gravel? Right. So. The interesting thing for me is like when we go out, you know, with Jay and you and we're on your lake, etc. When I'm looking at the bottom, when I got my fish finder on there, you know, there's times when I'm like, is it telling me, like, I'm, I'm seeing bait fish the entire way, and I'm like, that can't be right. So maybe that's a sensitivity thing I need to sure. adjust. Sure, yeah, probably is. You might be marking <clears throat> uh, algae, right? Oh, yeah. Sure. Right. I sure. mean. All sorts of stuff like so that. So now, it, it, and then it, it, another thing that you want to play with, if you have this adjustment on your depth finders, is the. Now I'm not a real electronic genius, you know. I call your telephone electric box. You know, <laughs> is the H little Z's? What are those? What is that? Oh, hertz. Hertz. Yeah. Like on mine, I have three different adjustments for right. different hertz, yeah. and what that does is narrows or expands the cone. the cone of right. your. Um, Right. depth finder you know yeah. and we're always experimenting with that you know yeah. because during pre-fishing you want to see as much as you can and then scope in and then scoping it Got in it. during tournament yeah. time yeah. because 
you know, you want to look at what you're going over. Right. You know. Right, right, right. Yeah, I know. I got down imaging on mine, and I'll be a hundred percent honest. I don't use it You've hardly at all. Um, granite, I do use my GPS function because, like in my home lake, there's a. Huge brush piles that they sunk. Sure. You know, they sure. drag them out there on the ice in the winter and they tie cinder blocks to them and, Hold you know, them sink them down there. So it holds structure or it's structure for the fish. So, I mean, you know, things like that, that's key. When you're fishing the same body of water all the time or say you're fishing a new body of water, but you find some kind of structure like that, being able to mark that and then your next time out going out to fish you can go straight to that spot right. or you know like this week i'm heading north up to hayward wisconsin i'm fishing a lake that i don't really know anything right. about i've looked at uh depth maps you know google satellite yeah. things like that so um it's a predominantly walleye lake mm -hmm. which you know i'm pretty excited about mm -hmm. i'm not really going to be doing any trolling out of a kayak i mean you, you can you haven't caught you a walleye out of your kayak have you yet uh no i have not uh there's walleyes in my lake but i have not caught a walleye out of my kayak this year no so uh i got a few ideas and ways that i think i'm gonna go after them up there mm -hmm. um but like scott said i'm gonna be looking for that gravel sand mm -hmm. bottom but i know what time of year is it i know or i guess it might depend on the type of lake but i know there's times of the year where I've fished with you, Scott, where we're pulling through muck because those fish are down there pulling worms out of the muck, right? Yeah, they're either pulling uh, worms or crayfish. When the crayfish, walleyes love crayfish when they molt. When they're shedding their skin, really? their shell, they yeah, actually yeah. shed their shell, they molt. And uh, Is that a certain time of the year? At each lake, it's a little bit different. Different? Okay. Because when I fish up at Leech Lake in northern Minnesota... The crayfish are shedding, you know, they're molting like first week in June, and that's when the tournament is. And we didn't realize it until all of a sudden, you know, when you have a few fish in your live well, and all of a sudden you see all these crayfish parts. Interesting. <laughs> and you're going, oh, and then you're looking at your fish, and they're all got bloody noses, you know. They're just hammering, yeah. hammering the bottom. They're pinning things to the bottom. So yeah, it's a it's different yeah. on every lake. It's sure, I think it's a temperature thing. Um, it's like, you know, like the mayfly hatch. Sure, 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 sure. Um, a lot of people think, uh, oh man, mayfly hatch happens and it's horrible fishing. Well, a lot of times it is horrible fishing, but you just got to change your tactics. Right, where they're at. Um, because what happens, people, you know, the people think, oh, they're filling up on the mayflies. Well, they're not really filling up on the mayflies. Um, what you want to do is bobber fish. <laughs> Sounds funny. Really? Sure. Bobber fish with a minnow right below. You'll mark the you'll mark the bugs hatching. You can see them coming up on your duck really? and right at the bottom where the mayflies are at. And you want to that's where you want to put a minnow because what's happening is is all these minnows are eating the little larva, mm -hmm. mayfly larva, before they hatch out into the bug, mm -hmm. and the walleyes are sitting right there eating the chomping minnows. the minnows. Yeah. You know, people think, oh, during, don't go out fishing during the mayfly hatch because it's horrible. Well, it's tougher, but you just got to change your tactics. So if you had to describe what that mayfly line looks like on your depth finder, I'm just trying to help our man Jacob out yeah. here, you know, give him a few few ideas. Um, it's actually black little dots. Yeah, a bunch of little dots, right? Little dots, and I mean, like up at Leech Lake, it was thick. Every morning I'd wake up and I had my boat in a little slip. And uh, it was covered in mayflies, two inches thick. That's how bad these the hatch was up there. But on your depth finder, you'll see it, and they, you'll see them starting right at the bottom. You'll see several at the bottom, and then when they get mid-depth, they're just thick. I mean, really thick. And I mean, you could hardly read an arc of a fish inside of the, they're so thick. It's like a wall. Yeah. Oh yeah, I've I've experienced that before. It's it's nasty, man. Malacs, you'll find that on malacs a lot, where mm -hmm. they're not really mayflies. It's uh, like fish flies. I think there's they do get mayflies there, but the fish flies are and you can like during ice fishing they hatch during then too, and you'll see them on your depth finder when you're ice fishing. Sure. You know, just come these black dots just migrating <laughs> towards the surface. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. So uh, 
if you had to describe what a, a rock bottom, sandy bottom, or mucky bottom looks like on your depth finder, how would you describe that? Um, muck bottom will be yellow, yellowish. Okay. Your hard rocks are red. Like I mean, dark, deep red. Dark, deep red. Yeah. It depends on how you've got your... Adjusted. And that might... That's how it is on my Lowrance. Yeah. Okay. And that's um, how it is on mine, too. Okay. Same. For sure. And, yeah. you know, I don't know about a hummingbird. If, you know, it's all the color. I mean, you can change your color sequences and stuff, but... Um, I mean, like overall, a, most depth finders, I think, are, are pretty, pretty, pretty much similar as far as, and like, colors the, in the bottoms. And I want to say the... The hardware used to do the imaging, whether it's sonar, whether it's your standard, I don't know what they call it, um, but the chipsets are all interchangeable from what I understand. It's what they do with them that's right. different. So sure, sure, sure. I sure. think the colors are relatively, sounds like they're relatively the same. Yeah, all the colors should be relatively the same from, the, from what I understand. And the thicker the red is, the harder the bottom. Denser denser and um like when you get to a gravel bottom the yellow it might be just be yeah it might just be a fine line with sporadic yellow in there because when you're in a gravelly area it's a lot less dense than rock and it's a lot more dense than muck Mm -hmm. you know but there is muck mixed in with it because you're not going to have 100 percent gravel it's and that's what's neat about finding that line of muck and gravel yeah, is yeah. you just watch your depth finder hmm. i had this one co-angler once i'm sitting there just we're fishing and i'm just staring at my depth finder and like it was a young kid he says sir i said what 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 oh, I, he says i don't mean to disturb you you're concentrating i said well i'm just kind of looking at the bottom here <laughs> I mean, what do you mean you're looking at the bottom aren't you looking for fish i said no i'm looking for where this is going to change because i know it's going to change somewhere soon and i wanted to make sure i marked it on my gps one of the things just i just want to throw this out there um also with depth finders you kind of have to know how they work so that you can interpret what you're seeing right sure and, and let me give you an example i was out um, with my brother-in-law and we're looking for this hump in uh, Pewaukee. we're fishing for muskie we're okay. looking for this hump and as we're coming up, the shoreline starts, you know, coming up, and the, the depth starts minimizing. And then what we did was we actually, he turned the boat because he thought we were seeing the rise of the hump. And sure enough, as we turned the boat, it made a hump because then we started going back out deep again. Sure. So on the depth finder, it looked like a hump. Right. But it really wasn't. It, it was a flat. Because you changed because direction. Because we changed boat yeah. direction. So I think that's another thing to keep in mind with... The depth finders understanding sort of what was your boat location when you saw those measurements versus exactly exactly oh yeah exactly because you can make a hump (laughs) oh yeah yeah. another thing that um i mean for beginner fishermen or whatever is watch the shoreline i mean your shoreline is pretty much going to be a reflection of what the bottom is especially if you're fishing like a close break to the shoreline or something it can change when you get way out in the lake but you know if you're seeing a lot of rocks along the shoreline is a good indicator that that's what the breaks are going to be is rocks you know or gravel sure 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 yeah that's uh i think that's a good starting point for uh our man jacob i mean we covered a little bit of ground there but yeah so thanks again jacob for uh your kind words in the email and uh i think we'll have a more in-depth depth finder talk down the road but uh i mean those are some key points i think that you should definitely look at um you know, we're not definitely not saying go out and buy a two thousand no. dollar depth finder for your kayak, but get something that you know has some features that you can utilize. Versatility. Yeah, versatility, versatility for sure. I mean, I think the sonar is more key than the down imaging and the side imaging and the GPS, so you can mark your spots and be able to revisit those. You know, later on down the road. Not only that, but if you're fishing, you know, late night, early morning. You know, stuff like that, fishing in the dark a little bit. You can find your way home, and we don't have to send a search party out for you. So, um, yeah, that's I love that about my uh, GPS. My wife always says, "How do you, how do you get back on these big lakes when, you, like, a lot of times you can't see shore?" Yeah, you know. Yeah. I says, "Well, all I got to do is follow my little blue line." Yeah, <laughs> it's real yeah. easy. Yeah, yeah, and I, I mean that's huge too. You know, for trolling, you know. You bang a bunch of fish in one straight line, you can go turn around and go straight back over that line. Duplication. Yeah, duplication. duplication. Whereas, like Scott said, if you're on a break like that, you get a couple, you could be as much as 20 feet off to the side mm-hmm. of that, and you're not going to catch a fish. You move well, 20 feet in, 
bang, bang, bang. On that break that you and I were fishing, here we got the bo- you know boards out. You know they're thirty feet out from the boat on each side. Well, he was fishing in much shallower water than I was fishing, so I had to adjust my mm-hmm. depths, you know, to mm-hmm. accommodate the thing. You gotta mm-hmm. think yeah. about all that stuff. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it definitely plays a huge role, for sure. So, yeah. So uh, I'm fishing with you again soon. Yep. Yep. Uh, I'm going up to Hayward, leaving Friday. Mm-hmm. I'll be there for a week, and then I come home, and then I jump in the car with Scott, and I'm going back to Green Bay. Oh, man. So uh, how about yourself? What do you got going on, my man? Yeah, Friday, leaving for uh, Eagle Lake in Ontario. <laughs> Some musky and smally fishing. So and if my father-in-law has his way, we'll be jigging for walleye at some point. <laughs> Against my greater, you know, judgment. But yeah, no, so um, yeah, that's what I got going. So I'll be a week up in Canada. So. Sweet. We'll have an interesting next show, I think. Yeah, next show for sure. Yeah, yeah. without a doubt. Yeah, sweet. So uh, you guys could uh, definitely follow us along on Instagram. It's uh, just search paddle, the letter N, and the word fin, and Instagram. Uh, you can send us an email, like our man Jacob Ruff did from Waukeshaw, Wisconsin, at paddle, the letter, letter N, the word fin at gmail.com or if you listen along on the anchor podcast app you could always send us a voicemail which we could replay on a future episode and uh, answer your question you know talk about a topic like we did today about depth finders and uh, things like that so we appreciate the feedback and you know all the love we've been getting uh, it seems like the station is growing, yeah, growing. our instagram page is growing mm-hmm. And we also now have our YouTube page up and going. You go to YouTube, search Paddle, the letter N, and Finn. Uh, I just put a video up of when I went and demoed the Bonafide, the New Canoe Pursuit, and the Old Town Predator PDL. And I did a quick walkthrough of my Bonafide setup. Um, I didn't go into too much detail because I think there's a thousand videos about you know super detailed videos which i'm sure everybody's seen so i just did a quick walkthrough of my actual setup and uh, how i'm running things and how i'm thinking about changing things uh i know i got video footage to edit and get up there from when i went fishing with scott up in green bay and then i also have some footage from my home lake and us fishing with uh uh jay randall out of my home lake and our four-pound mono northern pike challenge. Which so, you hooked up first. I hooked up first, and I'm still in the lead. You are still in the lead. Better catch up, Jay. <laughs> Mr. Pike. So uh, it's always fun to fish with that guy. So, uh, you know, and actually Jay's going with us up to Green uh, Bay. Yeah, so. we could have the four-pound... Uh, four-pound oh, mono man, challenge on walleyes? On walleyes, oh, yeah. Oh, that would be fun. Four-pound s- trolling challenge. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that wouldn't work. I know that wouldn't work. We'd break off right away. We could go snap jig the rocks with four-pound tests. We'll lose a lot of jigs, I'm sure. But uh, Well, we can troll with four-pound. Yeah, we'll, we'll give it an attempt. We'll see how that <laughs> I goes. I need footage of that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, out. yeah, yeah. I have faith in my ugly sticks. Yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, just want to say thanks again to Scott Purs for coming on the yeah, uh, thanks, Scott. The yeah, podcast thanks for having and, me. It was uh, a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah we'll it. have to have you back we'll on again back for, sure. And, for sure, and uh, especially maybe around ice fishing season since uh, oh, yeah. yeah, that's a good time. We do yeah, some, we could actually do fishing. a show from the ice shack. Yeah, ooh, that's not a that bad would be idea. a good idea, live, 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 live from Malax. Live from Malax. Wait a minute, while we're sitting in kayaks on the ice, yeah. what do you think? Yeah, yeah. Fishing out of our kayaks on the hard water. Yeah, jigging. Jigging, jigging for walleyes. I like it. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, thanks again. And uh, I think this was a great show. Yeah. And uh, we'll see you again for Episode 7 after we get back from uh, northern Wisconsin, yep. Canada, and Green Bay again. We'll see you on the next one. All right. Till All next right, time. Thanks a lot. Thank you.
pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. You want to succeed, you want to fish, you want to be one of the greatest. Tune in to West Marine's Life on the Water, presented by Costa Custom Boats, every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.